Welcome to the Bird's Eye View Podcast. I'm Jeff McLean here along with Les Bowen and EJ Smith of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Hey guys, what's going on? How's it going? Happy I'm New good. Year. Yeah, Happy New Year. Uh, or at least uh, Happy New Year's Eve uh, tomorrow. Yeah. 2021. Uh, but uh, Eagles have one more football game. Meaningless football game. They were officially eliminated from the postseason from winning the NFC East division, the lowly NFC East division on Sunday with a loss to the Dallas Cowboys, 37 to 17 in Arlington, Texas. Uh, a pretty bad loss, I guess, uh, at this point in the season, the Eagles had, you know, slim hope of making the playoffs. The funny thing was that they needed four things to happen. The first two did the giants lost one of their remaining two games and they fell to the Ravens, the Redskins to lose to the Panthers which would have set up, you know, the a finale against the Washington team that would have, uh, for all intents and purposes, decided the uh, decided the NFC East. But uh, they lost to the Cowboys, and it's it's over, and and rightfully so. This was a very bad team, and um, they got a lot of tough decisions coming up this off season. We've kind of spent the last week looking ahead. I know a lot of the players and coaches aren't exactly there in their minds. I'm sure Jeffrey Lurie, though, is seriously considering what he has to do. And let's just start with, I guess, let's go through maybe the the main guys and whether we think uh, they'll be back or not or how we think that Jeffrey Lurie will approach each decision. And I guess you have to start with, let's start with the head coach. No, let's start with the general manager first because I think this is probably the easier one. Uh, Not that, I think it's easy to say that Howie should be back, but it seems like from what we understand and, and, and Damo, who's not here right now, he reported last week that Lurie has, or it was it two weeks ago, Lurie has no intention. And I, I think we pretty much all felt the same way. And unless uh, you and I haven't been around the team for a long time, we know how much you know, Jeff entrusts and Howie. Um, so let's look at it from Jeffrey's point of view. And, and I guess, Les, I'll start with you. How do you think he sees Howie? And then how, what do you think he should do? Oh, boy. Well, I would love to see a new general manager in here, frankly. I just think uh, the way this roster's been handled since the Super Bowl is uh, I'd give it like a D minus on that. I I just uh, draft picks have been bad. Free agent signings have been bad. Uh, It's it's really been kind of a mess, I think, since that one wonderful year when Howie was the best general manager in the league. as far as it, I think fans struggle to understand somebody once explained it to me as uh, how he is the guy that explains football to Jeffrey. And I, I kind of think that's still true, even though Jeffrey's been doing this for quite a while, you know, we all knew that, you know, for how he sat with Jeffrey during games for many, many years. Uh, I, I just feel like there's nobody uh, in the Eagles organization that Jeffrey trusts on the level that he trusts Howie. And I also think that uh, Howie in the general manager's role allows Jeffrey to be very, very involved in football decisions. That would be a tougher negotiation with a new general manager. There are a lot of general managers that don't want the owner, you know, helping determine whether they draft a certain guy or sign a certain guy. Uh, all owners, of course, have some say over that, but not every owner gets involved. And there were years 
when I first started covering the team, I don't think Jeffrey was very involved in that sort of thing in 2002, but he is now. Uh, so these elements all conspire to make Howie's spot pretty secure, in my view. But I'm not real confident that, uh, based on what we've seen the last three years, that that should be the case. Yeah. Um, if I could just chime in real quick before I go to EJ, you know, just real quick, I, you know, I think the one important thing that you mentioned, Les, is that Howie is kind of an enabler for Jeffrey to be involved and and more so than he had been prior uh, to Doug Peterson. And I think that was one of the attractive parts of hiring Doug was that Doug wouldn't kind of muscle either of them out, really. Yes, yes. And, you know, someone recently told me a story about how early in Andy Reid's tenure, I think it was after the first year, they didn't do well, but they were having a high-level meeting with, uh, you know, coaches and, and you know, you know Tom Modrak and his personnel staff and Joe Banner. And Jeffrey showed up with an uh, easel and a and a you know large pad of paper and he started writing on it and saying okay this is what we need and this is you know and went through all these things and this is how the meeting started Mm -hmm. and you know some of the stuff was obvious but some of it was just like "Eh," you know and like and andy did a very good apparently andy did a very good job of placating andy and i mean excuse me of placating jeff Mm -hmm. and and i think you know Andy was able to kind of navigate those waters for the 14 years that he was there, you know, keeping Jeff semi-involved, but really never, ever taking his, his advice. Right. And I think, you know, at some point, maybe Jeff felt like he needed to be heard a little more than he was being heard, especially right. when he started to falter down the stretch. So they go and get Chip Kelly, who they really wanted because of, for various reasons, Jeff is always attracted to the innovative right. offensive coach, yeah. but Chip just totally muscled him out and didn't allow him any, say or on anything pretty much especially when howie was had lost personnel power jeff was completely out and that big reason you know that chip was fired in the manner that he was fired jeff wanted his team back to some extent here so uh, you know jeff is not jerry jones uh he's not as but he's also not as out front as jerry jones is you know jerry jones love him or hate him you know he he stands up there and takes the bullets yeah his team win or lose jeff still wants to be in the background but he still wants to have his fingers on on the strings in a lot of cases and and how he allows that mm-hmm. um you know uh, ej from your point of view obviously you, you haven't been on the, the the beat longer than us but sometimes that, that perspective is a good one um how do you i mean how do you view maybe you don't view and, and i don't even know if how he should be back or not I, I don't really want to weigh in on my opinion um but uh, how would you view it um, looking at the front office dynamic. Yeah, um, I think that, you know, again, like you said, I haven't been here as long, but I have followed the Eagles, you know, my whole life and just sort of keep an eye, like I've always kept an eye on their draft history. And the the argument that they haven't had a lot of picks is a, a solid one, you know, like they, they had five picks and, you know, consecutive drafts. But the fact that they just don't hit on those picks is the ultimate thing that's hurt them. You know, I mean, yeah. the UC teams sustain success in this league for a long time, even though they draft in the late first round. And, you know, they don't have a lot of picks. You look at Seattle, you look at New England for a long time. The the real th- difference between those teams and the teams that, you know, have these winning runs and then all of a sudden the cupboard's bare is you have to be able to draft in, like, the late first round and in the later rounds too. So 
I think that that's the biggest indictment on the front office. You know, I always think about the 2017 team. They just hit a home run on so many free agents, you know, like, and that isn't a sustainable yep. way to build a team. That's not a way that you're going to have, you know, a perennial playoff team. You know, the, the Eagles have been that for a long time. But again, doing that with free agents, you know, guys who other teams were willing to let go. I mean, that's it's always going to be dicey. I mean, most years you're going to have a bunch of guys who aren't good enough, you know, aren't going to be playing up to the value that you expected them to play at. So um, so I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, when when you think about what's going to happen, I, I said it before, you know, I just I always go back to the the way that Doug Peterson's staff was handled last offseason where, you know, he had to you know make some changes, whether that was Jeffrey Lurie or not. You know, um, it, sound, it seems like that was kind of his, you know, his opportunity to get things right was to fix the offensive staff. And, you know, there was a report two weeks ago that John Dorsey's, you know, as a, a cons- was hired as a consultant. I think that maybe that is the, the outcome for Howie is, you know, we need to add somebody who can you know, evaluate drafts better than you and, you know, just sort of a front office shakeup that doesn't lead to how he's firing. Yeah. Um, you know, the Dorsey report was interesting. I could see why Howie would want that out uh, because that would set up for what Jeff is going to ultimately announce is that he's staying. And that would, again, mm. kind of appease some fans. Oh, they finally got a football guy in here. I mean, <laughs> Dorsey was hired and they've done this. They did this before with Scott McEwen and, uh, you bring in a guy to write up players, college players, maybe some free agents here and there, and they give their evaluations, but runs the team and he makes all the final decisions. I mean, yeah. it's not going to, it won't change much. Yeah, they've been down this road a bunch of times. You right. know, this isn't like that Eureka, you know, I mean, Joe Douglas was a football guy who came from Baltimore and Pittsburgh, two of the best organizations in the league. You know, they've had, uh, they've they've tom donahoe you know i mean they've had a lot of guys in there that uh, andy weidel yeah yeah you know it's unless the person is making decisions it's it's not uh it's not going to change much and 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 how he has to obviously balance a lot of voices when he makes a final decision but as we've seen in this last draft you know and as 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 a reporter of the first pick it was like you know the andy weidel scouting department had Jefferson is the guy on the board, number 21, that they wanted. And mm-hmm. and the coaches were kind of telling him that Jefferson wasn't going to, he was going to be a slot receiver in, in our West Coast offense. Slot receivers aren't bulk, you know, uh, catch right. receivers in our offense. He's good. We really like him. But, we you know, we need a little bit of outside speed. The outside speed, uh, you know, the X in, in our offense is, or the Z, whatever he is, he's going to, be a, a, a big catch guy, big play guy for us. He's going to, you know, and Rager, we really like, et cetera. And, and, and I don't know exactly which coach it was. I don't think it was Doug from what I understand, but anyway, it was kind of like a coaching uh, viewpoint on the pick and they went with Rager and, you know, I, I'm not completely down on Rager, but when you pass up a guy like Jefferson, who's now set the rookie record for receiving yards and you look at him versus, and he's he's played a lot of outside. A lot of his production yeah. has come out. He's averaging over 16 yards per catch. This is a guy that would have been deadly in our in in the uh, Eagles' offense. Now that being yeah. said, I don't know if the production would have been as good with the you know the problems that they had on the offensive side of the ball. But that's just one example of of how he kind of not making the right decision. I don't think how he's much of an evaluator, but his job, and I think when he's when he's been done a good job of it, is just kind of weighing the room. You know, feeling out the pulse of the rest of the league and making moves based a lot of times on that. And 
And sometimes it's just, you know, as I always call it, the Howie Wowie. He always wants to make the Howie Wowie move. <laughs> and yeah, he overthinks things quite a bit. And uh, on the on the previous point you made, Jeff, I remember a story you wrote probably the time that when they made the switch to chip uh, in terms of player personnel, you quoted an anonymous source, I think, as saying, Howie can tell you what round somebody is going to be drafted in, but not whether they're any good. Right. <laughs> right. Which, uh, you know, I, the more I'm around the NFL, that is definitely a thing. You know, it's one thing to say, OK, this guy, because of this, 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 this guy's a second rounder. It's another thing to know which of the second rounders is really going to be a good NFL player. Right. Howie's a good reporter. He should probably be do, doing our job. He can find out where <laughs> yeah. guys right. are picking guys. But in terms of looking at a player and say, you know, going out and saying, you know, on a, going on a limb and saying, you know, I, I think Brandy Ayuk, for example, is the guy at 21. You know, like, and I don't know if a lot of people had him there. Maybe some people did, but he wasn't like a slam dunk. But you, I think I would have, you know, I – I think a lot of people will look at Brandon Ayuk and say, okay, that's a better pick than Justin uh, Jalen Rager. Um, yeah. The, yeah. the other thing too is EJ, you brought this up and I want to, ex- we should explore it a little bit is that they've made so many mistakes in the drafts, you know, that they have to cover them up constantly and salary cap issues. So you, yeah. you strike out on yep. Sidney Jones and Russell Douglas and, and pretty much, I think Avante Maddox is a fourth round pick, but you're, you're putting him in a starting spot. So you have to go out and trade for Darius Slay. You give up a draft pick for him, and you give him a pretty a pretty good contract for two years, and it's going to restrict you and what you can do when you should be having these guys still on their rookie deals or about to to sign. You know, you know, yep. team friendly. Well, you should have Sidney Jones. And, you should have Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas. Uh, you you should have no need to to bring in a corner at that right. point. You know, if those picks had been good picks, if those picks had worked out, you know. Yeah, yeah. and I mean, if you look quick. at a, a lot of the best teams in the league, I mean, it's not just that they don't have starters that are, you know, on team-friendly deals. It's they don't have any elite player, you know. Like, a lot of these – a lot yes. of the best teams in the league, I mean, you have a guy who is just completely outplaying their rookie contract, and they don't have anybody like that. I mean, <clears throat> I guess you have Miles Sanders, but – I mean, he's a running back. You know, you, you wouldn't want to pay him anyway. They don't have anybody, you know, under 30, you know, 27 years old, you know, on a rookie deal that's just, um, you know, like great value. So, Right. And, and, you know, the Pro Bowl was an, you know, the Eagles had three players and it was an indictment of, of the Bob D. Dunn drafting and developing young players. I mean, the three guys were all really honestly predated, predated Howie as the final say. Yeah, <laughs> Brandon Graham, 2010, Fletcher Cox, 2012, and Jason Kelsey, 2011. You know, these are, you know, and then for years it was Jason Peters, 2009. I mean, these are the, still the core players yep. of this franchise. Now, Lane Johnson, if he was healthy, he probably would have been in there too. And, and how he made that selection at number four in 2013. But they don't have anybody that you're looking at. And, and like, I think Miles Sanders is a good player. And I, I think that he's been hurt a little bit by the offensive struggles. And I, I'd say, I think the same applies to Dallas Goddard and they have a couple yeah. lower round fines and Josh sweat and perhaps Jordan Malata, but the, the bad far, far outweighs the good. Um, yeah. Just real quick on Howie, before we go, is there any chance huge surprise Jeff looks at this and says, I got to make a change. You can never say that Jeff, you can never say you absolutely know what Jeff is thinking. 
you know, I've said this before on the show and other places. In 2015, we talked to Jeff before the season, and he trotted out all these superlatives about Chip and what a great leader Chip was, and he had no problems with Chip's leadership style and blah, 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 blah. And we didn't hear from Jeffrey again until the day after he fired Chip uh, three months later. So while the relationship with Hallie we know a lot more about, Jeffrey doesn't talk to anybody. And right. you have to keep in your in the back of your mind that, you know, we don't know what Jeffrey thinks. No. We, we think we might, but we don't really know. No, he does a very good job of keeping things close to the vest, you know. I guess if he confides in anybody, it's Howie or his wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. that's what I've come to realize about Jeff after all these years. And, and, and to his, you know, credit, he isn't a blabbermouth and, and keeps things close to the chest. Right. I mean, I did find out something late. He did tell somebody that I'd found out or in December that he was through with Mike Rowe, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and that's what led to eventually the, you know, the forcing of Doug's hand. And, and I guess that's maybe a transition here to the head coach. And Doug Peterson, and I think probably all three of us would agree that if there's going to be one of those two to go, it would probably be more Doug. Now, again, I'm not saying he should or not. I, I don't even know. And, and maybe we're all kind of uh, exaggerating maybe the threat to Doug when you look at the big picture. And I think the same also applies to Howie. When you look at the big picture, just three years removed from a Super Bowl, two playoff appearances the following two years after that. But things have gotten so bad this season. Is Jeff yes. going to look at Doug and, and you know, to a lesser extent, Howie, obviously, and say the excuses that Doug has used about the pandemic and the injuries? And, and while that isn't an, a fair one to make when every other team had the same obstacles, but maybe Jeff says, well, for some reason, because of the dynamic that we had, it, it hurt us more than other teams. Well, I do remember when we went into the season – we all sort of agreed, well, you know, like this isn't a year that you should overreact over. And, you know, here we are. Um, but I, I still think, you know, all that stuff rings so hollow, you know, like how they've been <clears throat> impacted by the pandemic and the, the new protocols. Again, I mean, we say it every time. It's every team has had to deal with it. And they were in a better situation than everybody else in the division because they did return their coach, their quarterback, you know, their play caller. All that stuff was the same. Um, you know, all the other teams had to work in new coaching staffs and, you know, young quarterbacks and just, you know, a bunch of change. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I do think that there is some validity to this, you know, you can't overreact on the season. It's a weird season, but I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it speaks to a bigger regression that we've seen the last few years. So I do think that that is a big part of it. Yeah. I don't know about Doug. I, I kind of think because the team still plays hard for him that he stays but I don't know how they get this fixed if everybody stays, <laughs> you know. Uh, and I think that's something Jeffrey has to wrestle with, frankly. There, I mean, again, you, you made the changes last year. They, they weren't happy with Doug's offense. And they wanted to bring in some new, fresh ideas. And so they get rid of Grow and they say, okay, start interviewing these guys and and how he brings in, you know, guys, or they were trying to get guys from the Kyle Shanahan tree. Uh, the two off, the two coordinators under Kyle Shanahan, they weren't going to let them leave. So they say, okay, we go to Rick Scangarella, who'd been fired, who'd worked previously under Kyle Shanahan, who'd been fired by the Broncos as their offensive coordinator. And, and again, what I was told was Doug, they mentioned Kyle Shanahan guys to Doug initially, and he's like, 
kind of entry. Um, just because, again, he thought he thought it was contrary to what would work in the West Coast offense. But it wasn't just that. They, I mean, they brought in a lot of different guys. They brought in Graham Harrell from the air raid offense in college, Mike Leach's scheme that has kind of been um, so pass heavy and really done well in various spots over, over the years. So they were looking – they weren't just looking for the Shanahan. They were looking for anything, which just told you that they were just kind of crapping on <laughs> Doug's <laughs> West Coast offense. They just thought it would become stale. Mm-hmm. And so what are they going to do this offseason? I mean, if it, if it got even worse this year and Carson Worse got really bad, do they go to Doug now and say, okay, fire Scangarella, fire Press Taylor, which is possible. Mm-hmm. And Scangarella is only a one-year contract. So, yeah, I think he was just brought in to, to right. help bring in different ideas. But do they say, okay, bring in an offensive play caller? I mean, that's I think that's – maybe they can get away with that. That might be a breaking point yeah. for Doug. I mean, I right. Doug went around, went along with the Mike Groh thing uh, last year, even though it embarrassed him completely, having already gone out in public and said Groh would be back. But the offense is Doug's baby. I mean, Doug is – if he's not calling the plays, then he almost becomes a figurehead, I think, in his view. And I don't think he's into that. Uh, I don't – I can't say for sure. Maybe they could persuade him to give it a shot or something like that. But I don't think that's a development that Doug is going to embrace in any way. Which leads us to the question of maybe Doug just wants to go. I mean, you know, I, I thought his press on Monday was very interesting because he you know, came out and was asked about his future and really kind of touted, touted his chest about his past accomplishments, which is understandable i mean he won a super bowl for christ's sake um but it was kind of undug like to me and i just yeah. wonder if he was kind of being told by his people yeah come out strong you know basically put the onus on on jeffrey and say hey you know what hey you you know i may have had a bad year but look what i've done and i hope you also look at what else is out there and yeah john clark who's kind of uh i, I don't want to take a shot at john but like uh <laughs> He's a bit of a. He works for the team. He works for the network. That's. Yeah. He's a little bit of a mouthpiece for the for the Eagles, and he put yeah. out. And I, I don't know if this is something he got from the Eagles because I doubt it was. If, if Doug's in trouble, but anyway, he put out the other coaches that had been hired in 2016 offseason, right. and it was a good point. I mean, the other guys all are. I think they're all. They're no longer coaching at the stops, at, at the places they were hired at. Right. And, and that is a danger whenever you fire a coach. You have to have a really good – I don't think the Eagles have ever fired a coach without knowing what they wanted to do, you know. Right. Uh, regardless of what they say and, and all the people they interview, they have some idea of what they want to do before they do that. And we haven't really heard a lot about, you know, coaches that they're vetting or anything like that. So, yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Something to keep in mind. Yeah, and something – just something to keep in mind too is, you know, like – I know a lot of people say that the Eagles should go for some a coach like that can fix Carson Wentz, you know, quarterback whisperer. I I I cannot I can never shake the Adam Gase thing from a few years ago, where like he's supposed to be this guy who's going to be the the quarterback whisperer. Yeah. He's going to fix everybody. He's like he will fix all your problems with the quarterback. I mean, that's not really what you want in a head coach. You know, you actually do want somebody who's been what Doug has been the last few years, like somebody who can set a good culture and you know just you know, run an organization. And again, I know that Doug is, you know, more than that with the play calling. Right. And that's like, that is what he values. But 
Um, I do wonder if that's how he can, he can stay if he wants to. And if, you know, the organization, if it works out that way, is just, you know, you obviously led a Super Bowl winning culture. That's what you should focus on. But uh, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. Which brings us to the third guy I want to talk to. And I, and I kind of, I'm starting to think that of the three, this is the guy more likely to go, Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I, when I watch the film of a lot of the games, I feel like Doug hasn't done a horrible job in play calling. I think Doug's decision-making has been questionable, more like, you know, when to go for fourth down, what like th- those types of decisions. But in terms of what they, the, how they've schemed things up, and I understand they weren't rolling out Carson enough. They, they, maybe they, they throw too much. But I felt and, – and so he wasn't great. But I felt like it fell more on Carson's shoulders than Doug. And maybe they mm-hmm. say the way we can keep Doug is – I think it's harder to see Doug and Carson coming back together than I, and it is to see Doug getting fired. I don't know. Do you guys agree? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't think it's likely, but I think you're right. It's probably more likely. Uh, I mean, typically you see when a team has a choice between a coach and a quarterback, they're going to choose the quarterback. I I mean, right. There's only so many great quarterbacks in the NFL. And if you have a guy that you believe in, you're going to stick with them. The coaches, you can kind of get around. Like, again, you look at someone, Aaron Rodgers has kind of lifted up Mike McCarthy for years. Or you know, quarter, great quarterbacks can lift up the head coaches around them. It, you know, and good coaches obviously can help the quarterbacks, but I, I think it's more the other way. And I just feel like they've got to look at Carson and just wonder, based upon this year, if he's the guy. It, it, and that speaks to them making a pretty bad decision, you know, 18 months ago and giving Carson the big contract. Yeah. It, it reflects horribly on them. I mean, the, the decision to, you know, Howie's master stroke is uh, getting to second in the 2016 draft to, to get Carson. Uh, if that turns out to not have been you know, anything he needed to do, uh, you know, it's, it reflects terribly on them. It really does. It reflects terribly on both of them, which is why I, I still think they end up trying to fix cars. You think because of the contract? Because of the contract and because of how it looks, if they were really wrong about this guy, you know. And I I haven't seen enough from Jalen Hurts. Today, Jeff, you and I both wrote about that Dallas game. And, I mean, he does some good things. He's definitely had talent, but – He's nowhere close to being an elite NFL quarterback. I mean, he has a lot of ground right. to cover uh, to get to that level. And some of the things that we've seen are, are concerning, really. Uh, he fumbles <laughs> as much as Carson used to. He just He's only lost one of them, and that one probably was a bad replay decision. But, you know, that the ball bouncing out of bounds he's lost isn't two. anything he, to – He's lost you know, two, actually. He'll fumble. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he lost one late in the Saints oh, okay. game. okay. Okay. All right. That's probably, yeah. But, you know, it's, there are a lot of things about him that aren't very refined. And I, maybe they have a better sense. I mean, we're just talking to him on Zoom. So we know nothing about what kind of leader he is, what kind of presence he is, what, you know, what he's like in meetings. (laughs) Uh, But I, I haven't, from my little perch, uh, 
you know, I haven't seen nearly enough to make this guy. Yeah, and I think like, you know, in the in the coming month, we're gonna be watching a lot of teams like, you know, Tennessee, Cleveland maybe, um, you know, who else? The Bills, like you're gonna be watching some offenses and like I I mean I could see Jeffrey Lure watching some of these teams and going, Carson Wentz can do this, you know, like you know, these play action schemes where you yeah. ask your quarterback to, you know, make easy reads on the move right. and, you know, take shots down the field. So I mean, if Doug isn't back, I could see them talking themselves into it easily. You know, the just, oh, he needs a new offense. I do think that there's some validity to, you know, Carson just isn't a good fit for the offense that Doug runs. I mean, the the record with and without Carson is glaring. You have to kind of look and figure out what that is. Um, but, but, so. And the funny thing is, though, but Doug right. can run that type of offense. They did it early in Carson's career, and they've done it with Jalen. I mean – they had to open things up late in the sec- the Arizona game, and I think Jalen, to his credit, kind of stepped yeah. up a little bit there. But this past game was 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 that. I mean, this past game, excuse me, the play actions. I mean, they were very successful in play action. They ran the ball a fair amount early on, and you know there were obviously defensive issues which which affected what the offense can do. But Jalen kind of didn't didn't play, didn't kind of you know carry out his end of the bargain there. Yeah, and. You know, with Carson though, they just they haven't done enough of that. But yeah, I, I mean, I wonder if Jeff does look at Brian D- Dayball or you know um, in Buffalo and says, okay, well, geez, what they've done with Josh Allen, you know, maybe he can do that with Carson. I but I just wonder if that's you don't want to get caught in that trap. And as EJ, you mentioned, you, it's really important to have a leader of men, yeah, CEO. And I don't know if Doug kind of qualifies as a CEO type, but He's definitely the, the leader of this team, the head guy. The kids, the, the players want to play for him. And that cannot be understated. That is, you know, he yep. lost his team yep. last year, you know, um, despite what, you know, EJ, you had said about him being a fixer of quarterbacks. And that's Brian Dable. I don't know. Maybe Dable can be a leader of men. I don't know much about him. Yeah. I yeah. But with Carson and, and the contracts that, big deal i mean clearly i mean they would be taking a gigantic cap hit now they would save some money and they would be getting something in return theoretically from either you know i think there's really only two teams i could see them going to and that would be the colts and frank reich and and i um but less as you stated jalen hurts i mean are you really willing to go all in on this kid i i know there's people in the building who really like him who think he has the potential but i i think it's going to take a while and Maybe they're willing to do that because, again, it's probably going to take a while to get this roster to be as good enough, right? Yeah. The, the cap situation. Well, if you're gonna if you're gonna add thirty four million to the dead cap yeah. money that they're already gonna have you know, by in, in getting rid of, we rents, should take a week off, a month well... off for free agency. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just play Jalen Hurts, and if he isn't any good, maybe you can draft a quarterback when you're drafting high again. Or maybe this year. You know. Because uh, you're yeah, not maybe the quarterback. That'll be interesting if they end up with a top three pick. I don't know. I mean, if Justin Fields is there, I I don't know what you do. <laughs> I yeah. How do you overlook that possibility if you're drafting in the top five or even the top ten? You really have to think about that. <laughs> you you can't just dismiss it. Uh, no, not yeah. at all. Don't right. I mean, do you think Carson? No, you yeah. can't. And do you think Carson's just to change directions here a little bit, just to look at it from Carson's point of view? And you know, there was a report from Adam Schefter about he doesn't want to come back and be a backup. Um, I, I think that was pretty much mm-hmm. 
overstated. I it think it's kind of an obvious thing, obviously. Um, yeah. yeah. But do you think that the marriage between Carson and he, like he, you think he's kind of like, I'm through with this franchise. No, but I do think people talk about a competition. I think if you're Carson and his agents, you have to go into that with your eyes open. We've seen these competitions yeah. before and often the younger, cheaper guy or the guy that has the momentum coming into the competition <laughs> wins the competition. And I don't think Carson wants to waste six months of his life competing against Jalen Hurts and being told that he, you know, didn't have as good a training camp as Jalen Hurts and now go, you know, learn a new offense somewhere else when the season starts or something. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I don't, I would be leery, you know, not, not that I don't, that I'm not a competitor or I, you know, I'm a weakling or something, but I, how is that really going to, are they going to really evaluate these guys on an even footing or is it going to be, Hey, look yeah, I find it did. hard to believe you know, based upon uh, the investment they made in Carson, that they had in this, if they're bringing Carson back, that they say, this is an open competition. I think what they'll be like, Carson's our starter. I, I, I really find okay. it hard to believe that they'll say this is an open competition. Unless that would be easier yeah. in the locker room, you go all in on Carson. You say he's our guy. We paid him. We still believe in him. He had an right. off year, etc. Full off season around the guys. Everything back to normal. We think Carson will be the guy. Now, let's say he's terrible in the spring or something, or you know, that could. Yeah, yeah. which is hard to do, frankly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right. So yeah. I just feel like if Carson's coming back, I really find it hard to believe that they don't deem him the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that you can finesse that no. with Hertz. I mean, Hertz has no platform to really, gosh darn it, you know, if I'm not the starting quarterback here next year, no. trade me. No. Or no. You're second-round pick, and you haven't happen. done enough yeah. to, to say that. I mean, even if you beat Washington on right. Sunday, and, and I think it's going to be very hard for him to do that, he's facing a really good defensive line. and Yes. Um, He's going to look around and see the people around him and think, hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, EJ, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I'm, I didn't have anything. Oh, okay. Um, and then uh, real quick, uh, so the coaching changes under Doug. Um, I think we can all – if Doug comes back, he's got to give up Press Taylor. Scangarell is gone. And they'll hire, they'll hire offensive coordinator. Yeah. And whether yeah. that's a guy who calls plays or not, we'll, we'll see. This is all if Doug comes back. And Jim Schwartz, what do you say there? Uh, do they have somebody yeah. in mind? I yeah. mean, I they uh, like Jim. I mean, Howie and is Jim Jeff really love Jim Schwartz. Yeah, and I think you could do a lot and, worse than him. You know, I think that's something important to keep in mind. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, a lot of the problems, like this game in Dallas, there was no chance for Jim Schwartz. <laughs> he was playing Michael Jaquette and, you know, I mean, it, it, Fletcher Cox went down, Derek Barnett didn't play, Josh Sweat wasn't there. You know, I mean, it's, I, I don't think changing defensive coordinators would do a whole lot, especially when you look at, they're not going to be able to bring in an all new defensive, uh, yeah. a, a bunch of players, you know, 
and get rid of all the guys that match Schwartz's system and spend a lot of money on guys that are going to match the new guy's system. Yeah. How is that going to happen? You know, I just don't see that as a, as a move. It would placate some fans, but I don't see that. Yeah. Jim's a good much. defensive coordinator. He's not a great one. And I think when you have offensive issues, he can't compensate for their faults. Uh, you know, I don't think he's that his defense and his scheme is that great. And as you mentioned, I mean, certainly injuries have played a part. Now, injuries have played a part in offense. I mean, the offensive yeah. line's been. Uh, oh God, yeah. Uh, the I can't believe the offensive line's done as well as, as it has, considering all the injuries. In fact, you know, Jeff Stoutland's the only guy that I think is 100 percent deserves to come back. But um, yeah, I know fans. A lot of guys on Twitter come after me because they feel like we're we're easy on Jim. And, you know, he, he obviously gave up a lot of yards in the Super Bowl and he hasn't had a really a top five defense, but I don't think he's that bad. Yeah, and that's a good point, Les. I'd like to have a better idea of how much decision making on the yeah. personnel is on him. You know, if it's a lot, well, it is. I'm more inclined to say it, it is, uh, although I wonder yeah. if it's lessening because um, he didn't seem very pleased about yeah. the Malcolm Jenkins I can't if he wants to be in some... yeah exactly I can't believe he wants to be in some of these situations that the yeah. personnel right. end up no playing. but that was a good point Les I mean they just have so much invested in his style of defense specifically now that I mean it's going to be hard I mean you know how many defensive coordinators are going to come in and go like yeah you, you don't have a whole lot invested in the secondary there's no money invested in linebacker but I've got three highly paid defensive tackles you know I'm sure some of them would be happy with it but I mean, that narrows your pool right there. So I really do think that, you know, it's kind of like the the ceiling might not be as high with shorts, but the floor is at least a little bit higher than what you would get if you went out and looked for a different defensive coordinator. Right. And it would, it, well, know, guess, uh, yeah. it would have to be someone outside the building too, because I mean, the only obvious replacement in building would be someone like Matt Burke and, and he runs the same exact scheme. He ran the same yeah. exact scheme <laughs> wherever he's been. So. All right. Well, uh, obviously, I think we kind of covered uh, a lot of what we'll see this offseason. We'll obviously come back next week after the season finale and look ahead. I mean, there there could be major changes made next week. Um, maybe there aren't. Um, but, uh, you know, I have a feeling nothing happens yeah. quickly. Well, but maybe if I'm it's a head coach, Doug, you know, he's going to want to get out ahead of it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, guys, thanks for joining yeah. the Bird's Eye View podcast. Please read all of our stuff at inquire.com. Uh, sign up for the Early Birds newsletter. Get all the links to all our stories, plus additional content uh, provided by the Eagles Beat reporters. Uh, three of us are here. Damo will probably join us next time. Uh, guys, thanks a lot. All Talk right. to you next week. Thanks for joining the Bird's Eye View podcast. Care.